This is the Expecting Aerialist Podcast. Hi, guys. Hope you had a wonderful weekend. Thanks for showing up today. Uh, Before we get started, check the show notes for the new three-part video series that will drop at midsummer called Aerial Rehab for postpartum, post-injury, surgery, or if you've taken a long break, that bridge between physical therapy and your favorite aerial class, uh, dropping free to inboxes soon. And the mini course by Wrap Your Head Around Silks as well. All right, guys. Today we have the one and only Kimberelli Simonetti. It's taken me about a year and a half to figure out how to say her name just right. And uh, she's back. So she was my first guest ever. And she's back. I wanted to get a check-in with her. She is now a mom of a toddler and then an 18-month-old. She runs her business, Upflying Yoga, here in LA. She's a doula. She is an aerial yoga master. She is a wealth of knowledge. We also joked around how we are not really sure how I'm going to name this or title this podcast because we talked about a million things, including her heart-shaped uterus. She has two services. Services? Services. Not sure. Uh, she did four rounds of IVF. She did three uterus surgeries before that. She experienced a placental abruption, a C-section that ended with incision numbness. We talk about self-gut massage. We talk about trigger point release in the air and the hypertonic pelvic floor, which is when we are too tight down there. So I'm so excited for you guys to hear this interview. Let's get started. Okay, so uh, before we get into the entire like life checkup, yep. uh, how is that plane plane ride? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me all about it. Um, well, you get past it, and hopefully, you forget it. <laughs> was it was it just like sh- she wouldn't wait? He yeah. Well, we she, had both. No, of them. your daughter. Yeah, so a, your daughter though was the well three and a half year old and a nineteen month old. So they want to run around and Ooh. play. They don't want to sit for five hours. And right. yeah, so there's that whole thing where they're just like, you know, itching, you know, cause I mean, think about like you and me on a plane, we don't want to sit that time either, but we've like learned right. what tools to use. So I'm just like throwing out right. more tools to get them to sit down and just kind of relax a little bit, but you know, they want to play. Right. Okay. So Kimberelli Simonetti. I, it took me about a year and a half to be able to say your name correctly, I think. <laughs> so <laughs> you were my first guest ever on this podcast. That's crazy, huh? Yeah. And I can't, well, I can believe that we are this far because I knew that there were so many stories and there are that many stories. Yeah. There's more. Yeah. There's way more to be had, huh? Like, yeah, yeah. Kind of just the baby like cracking open. And this is after we've had babies. That's the crazy thing is that we know nothing until it's too late. <laughs> it's not too late, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're already in. You're, you've, you've signed the contract. And uh, as my dad would say, man, I just didn't know there was so much to talk about with this one thing. I was like, yeah, I can imagine. Like, even when I started blogging, he's like, how is there still more to write? I was like. I don't, yeah. you know, it's, it's a lifestyle. That's why. 
Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, you change everything, but then you think about like that. It's like, okay, so you're only birthing for, you know, hopefully less than a day and you know, you're only pregnant for, you know, nine months, but that's a really big deal because there is an after that still requires maintenance care, even just like kind of like recall on that very short amount of time while you've got your kids now. So it's all just like, it hits you and the recovery, you know, it's still recovery. Like I think you voicing all of this stuff and people being able to hear it probably is huge. And just like the healing power of what it means to just the trauma of birth, the trauma of having kids, the trauma of, you know, Mm -hmm. pregnancy, all of those things that's supposed to be lovely and beautiful. And you're just like, what just happened to me? Cause this sounds like it didn't happen to anybody else, but it happened to everybody. Happened to everybody. And then the, the battle of like getting back in and out, in and out of your practice. That's such a thing for so many. And, and uh, Kim still owner of Upline Yoga, also a doula. Yep. Also now a mom of two. When I, when I interviewed you, I believe, were you pregnant? Maxine was three months old. So I was sleepless. You were sleepless. Which I still okay, am. so <laughs> but it's a different right. It's different for sure. It's a little bit more right. sleep. Well, I always think about I, I'm I'm not planning to have two and I always like it's similar to like walking around with sand in your hands, if yeah. that's my analogy yeah, that's of what I imagine it to have two kids. So if you would give us an update on what your life has been that last year of the pandemic and then this year of the endemic, they they changed the name on uh-huh. us, but that's what it is. Yeah. And then your business and then holding that sand in your hands, just give us an update. And then I'll just like jump in and ask you a million questions. Yeah. So let's see. Now, Maxton's 19 months old. Miri is exactly three and a half years old as of yesterday. So two little ones running around. They play together so well now, but they're crazy. It's just like, you know, until they're sleeping, it's we're all over the place. So definitely trying to organize two little humans and myself at the same time has been the best challenge, the craziest challenge. There's, you know, it's chaos. It's a playful chaos. There's always giggles. There's always cries, you know, something, there's some sort of drama. It's never just, you know, chill. It's either, you know, extreme one direction, extreme the other direction. So it's just embracing the whole thing um, the best you can and, um, you know, getting as many hugs and kisses as you can because they won't give it to me in a few years. So I'm like trying to absorb it as much as I can right now. Um, let's see with, uh, up flying yoga. So we're still outdoors. Uh, we have classes held in Los Angeles and then I did do the teacher training. I took it online. So we now have, uh, a nine week setup for our level one teacher training, um, at upflyingyoga.com. And you can click on the specific link education.upflyingyoga.com but I broke it down and then we have um, still doing the 200 hour teacher training for yoga Alliance. And we have a couple of teachers that are just about to finish out on their 200 hours yoga allowance welcomed people to be able to do it online during the pandemic. So we continued to teach that. And this is a uh, teacher training for aerial yoga. This is aerial yoga specific, but it gets to be dual accreditation with yoga Alliance. So I have my teachers learn aerial yoga and then I have them learn the aerial yoga 
terminology is very similar to ground. So we're using the hammock as a prop. So it's just like uh, a, a yoga class prop yoga. Um, okay. So you, we use the same names and we talk about, you know, Got anatomy it. and all that stuff so that they can use them together so they can teach a ground class, they can teach a yoga class. And um, that gets to transition to, you know, just extra skills. Oh yeah. So the ladies out there who live, ladies, ladies and gentlemen out there <laughs> that live in like the Netherlands, you can now, you can now do this training with, with Kim. That's basically, that's correct. Yep. Yes. Okay. Fantastic. Okay. Continue. I just want to make sure I <laughs> knew what you're talking about, but that's, that's incredible. And now it's just, um, waiting to see what the next steps are. Um, just to make a time frame on this recording, literally on the 21st, they now have vaccinations for six months to five years, right? Did you hear oh, about that? Oh, did that, did that happen today? Uh, they announced it last week on the 21st for both Moderna and Pfizer. There's now access to vaccines for kids up to five years old, six months to five years. Which is, which, which gives a lot of breath of relief for so many parents. Yeah. yeah. How have you been doing through all of it? Well, honestly, um, it is not a time in my life where I've needed to travel a lot. Okay, great. It is kind of funny, like traveling, like you have all these tools that are at your disposal at your house that you've figured out like how to work around with your kids, having your kids entertained, you know, and then you go travel and you're like, where are my tools? You know, (laughs) all I've got is me and them. Yeah. And like, how many toys are you bringing? And um, I only have one. So the chaos is contained. Yeah, that's true. Slightly. Oh, for sure. I need four eyes for sure. I'm like looking at one and then the other one has done, you know, 15 things in the five seconds I turned my head. It's amazing how much they can get into in that short amount of time. Well, and also like as a parent in 2022, when we're out and about in the world, there is no, you know, this whole, like I looked away for three, Mm -hmm. that doesn't happen for me because we're in a different world now. So, but how can you do that if you have two or more? You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, oh yeah, I have like, um, here's a, here's a shout out for, uh, I think it's Joybit, J-O-I-B-I-T. They're like these little GPS devices that you get to connect to your kiddos. <laughs> so I've done, oh. I've done that. So that way, like, at least if they like walk too far from me, there's an alarm that goes off on my phone. I'm like, okay, I know where they're at then. I've got a warning. Oh my God, that's genius. Is it like a little wristband? Like what is that? You can use it as a wristband. You can use it as like a little clamp that can go on their shirt or their pants or their backpack. You know, it's, 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 uh, you can put it anywhere on them, but it's, it's kind of like those app, like AirPod, not the AirPods, the Apple, um, what do they call those? The little Apple round things that you can put on your, uh, keys or your uh, oh I didn't even know about that bag yeah that's like that's like a bluetooth thing. yeah it's it's how I oh find everything God. I say like Siri find my <laughs> it's my life find line. my child <laughs> amazing <laughs> well uh, for hats. my bean no for my bean when we go to the, like the zoo because she doesn't want to hold my hand but she's also not the kid that's like yeah like Cetus kid We've talked about it. Like, we'll not wear a tether for any reason, yeah. right? No, my kids hate Kick it. Kick screams. Yeah. Well, mine will wear it, and it's a, we call them That's bracelets. Awesome. That's awesome. And it's just like the two bracelets, and they have like the little coil that connects it because she doesn't want to hold my hand all the time, but I think it's like a security blanket for her too. Yep. So yep. she'll do that, but I'm lucky because not a lot of, like probably less than 50% will tolerate. Yeah. Oh, I worked hard on like it. That. I was definitely like, 
if I give in at all, when they tell me they don't want it, then they're going to think that they don't have to have it. So I was like sitting in the stroller, locking them up in the stroller, all of those things I have to do. And it, it's chaos every time they just like, no, set me free. Set me free. Yeah. And, and so your son, right? You have a girl and yep. a boy. So your son is 19 months. That means he's walking around and he's walking around. He does hammock play. He's, he's a spinner. He spins on the hammock quite a bit. Um, I have it. Oh my goodness. So I have it set up where it's at like his um, shoulder height so he can put his arms through and he can also like put his knee in and lay down. So he'll do like Shavasana or hang in the hammock and then spin really <laughs> fast. He's watched me and Miri. So he does like one foot, you know, pirouette when he spins, you know, and he puts his, he flails oh. his arms out. So he's next in line for aerial play for sure. He loves it. I, every time I talk to you, I, I get like um, baby aerial like envy <laughs> because she, my bean doesn't have the same exposure because I don't have a setup at home. Yeah. And when I do go to the studio, I don't bring her with me because then I can't get anything done. Yeah. So she's not getting that type of exposure. Yeah. Um, but definitely for when I drop this, I want all the videos and pictures and stuff of your kids doing this. Like, oh, I think that everybody's going to want to see Here's that. the thing. Every arrow mom needs to get somehow some sort of indoor setup, whether it, how you can, figure out how, how you're going to set it up in the space for the better, wherever you need it to be. But it really is a lifesaver. It has helped me a whole bunch where I can just like do some dishes while they spin on a hammock. It's, it's crazy. Like they will enter, I'd say they get on it for about 45 minutes and that's very long. Oh, that is a long time. Yeah. To have 45 minutes of one thing that they'll stick to is a really big deal. And they do it, but they also love spinning. Like they don't get dizzy from spinning. So that probably makes a difference. And we're on a single point. So we're not like, I know a lot of people like to do two points. So I don't have to worry about them swing or swing. Um, which, yeah. you know, is, it's been an, an awesome tool that I would have never realized um, I had, unless I would have lowered the hammock to their height to realize that they could use it as well. You know, I tried to do it with me higher in the air without them. And they just wanted to be with me on it. So I had to make them their own so they could do theirs while I do mine. And it's, it's been awesome. They really love it. Yeah. It's a sensory thing too. It is. Yeah. You know, especially that age, this, you know, all of the childhood development. Yeah. Keeps, say that the sensory, like to, to really challenge the senses. Yeah. They have a lot of give new things to feel and touch and you know, all that. Exactly. Yeah. And a lot of tools like um, them just like walking upstairs or getting out of the pool, things like that, that kids their age would have trouble with. They get it easily because they understand like their center of gravity um, really well. Like people are shocked uh, when they can get up and downstairs so quickly and easily. And I really think it has a lot to do with the hammock. I mean, we have a lot of stairs at our house as well, but I think it has a lot to do with the hammock. It's pretty, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. I'm really glad that we don't have stairs at this place that we live in right now yeah. because yeah. I would have nightmares about the stairs. Oh, it's stressful for sure. I've got like gates up, um, doors closed, you know, the little things on the door handles, so they can't get into things, but you know, kids will get into anything, whether it's a set of stairs or, um, you know, I don't know, uh, you know, gum or, you know, toothpaste or whatever they can get all over the floor of the carpet, you know, when you're looking away for two seconds. Yeah, we had a um, a steep wood staircase into like a concrete floor basement mm-hmm. at the old the place that we lived in when she was just a baby. 
I would, I mean, I already have anxiety. Yeah. I would just have like stress, stress dreams about those damn stairs. Yeah. And there was a door too. It's not even like it was just a free floating situation. So, yeah. um, <laughs> I mean, that's something to talk about like new moms and like cortisol levels are through the roof. So when you talk about like getting enough, like getting your eight hours sleep or getting naps when they have nap time, you're in like fight or flight mode the whole entire time they're awake. So how do you come down from that? to be able to just like function, like getting the stress off your body. You're in stress mode all the time thinking, are they going down the stairs? Are they turning left? You know, what are they into now? Um, So that's a whole thing. Just, I think the understanding of that is huge. Just even Mm -hmm. know, go, go, I know why I'm tired because I'm in constant fight or flight mode. I can see like on my Fitbit watch or whatever tool I'm using right now to see if I got enough sleep or not. It's not just about the sleep. It's on, are you on high alert all the time? All of those things, all of those things count. And it's like, no one talks about this stuff, but everything counts. It's all. Yeah. And honestly, looking back to the first two, like before she was two, because now she's like closer to three than two. And my, like I saw friends recently who hadn't seen and they're like, wow, Kara, like it looks like motherhood's chilled you out. <laughs> You're like, no, I'm exhausted. And I was, <laughs> no, but that day I was just chilling and I was like, you know what? They called out something very interesting to me yeah. that I hadn't thought about. That, 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 what you're talking about had calmed down for me in the last six months. That's awesome. Yeah. So Kim, I want to ask you, tell me, give us an update on what your body feels like. Yeah, so... My six session recovery was definitely longer than I expected. I do know a lot of other people that I spoke to about their C-section recovery didn't seem as long as mine. And I was kind of shocked about that, um, confused about that. I definitely had to do like some gut health stuff, um, uh, a, a whole lot. Like I was having trouble just like processing foods. Um, I did scar tissue massage on the C-section area. I think I told you that I didn't have I had some numbness, so I didn't have any feeling for the first five weeks of all of the intense pain that someone might feel of being cut open because my stomach was numb in the incision area. So, Kim, you had two C-sections. Nope. I had um, Neri naturally and or vaginally. Oh, say, yes. Yeah. That's right. Yep. That's right. That's right. Yep. Um, but, you know, there was a lot of recovery time with her as well. Um, but. I, I don't even know if I filled you in. Like I have two cervixes. So I had to like one cervix didn't dilate. So I had to push her through like one side when the other side wasn't okay, dilating. Do, do you have what they have? What is it called when you have two cervixes? Um, well, I did have a heart-shaped uterus as well. So I had three uterus surgeries to try to clean up the, because I couldn't, I couldn't house a baby in my uterus because um, I just didn't have enough blood flow for it to last the first trimester. So that's why I did like the four IVFs. Um, so when, um, when I went into the whole thing, I was 41 years old and it was like, okay, time is running out. So we went, okay, we're going to do IVF. We're going to see how many we get. The first IVF, I got nothing. I was, I want to say at that point, I was like destroyed. I was so upset that, you know, we didn't get anything from a round of IVF. But after doing a lot of homework, I realized a lot of people don't get anything from their first round of IVF because you're figuring out what um, what the med ratio is, like what are you going to do to um, create these, um, uh, you know, get the ovaries to create all of the, um, the eggs. And so my second one, I was able to get to, and that's my Miri and Max. <laughs> but um, we did it 
So you were able to get two. I was able two viable embryos. Yep, I was able to get two, and we did do like the. Um, it's called like a five day, but we did close to like five and a half day, where they kind of develop inside a little petri dish, and then um, if they survive those many days, then you freeze them for when you're going to implant. So we did that the second round. And then I was like, what happens if they don't, you know, make it through though? So we ended up doing a round three and a round four. So we did four rounds um, and I was successful in the second round. So super happy that it, you know, landed me two babies because that's what I ended up with. And um, uh, just the whole process was crazy just with, um, you know, all of the meds that you have to take to create all of these little beings. Um, So I did it four rounds and I did it every cycle. So each time I ovulated, I went, okay, do it again, do it again. And then I had to do um, three uterus surgeries so they could take the heart-shaped uterus. If they would have been developed, maybe it would have been like two uh, uteruses and that's why the two cervixes. So it's possible maybe at one point, I don't know, twin story. It was weird, crazy. Did you have uterine, do you have uterine didelphus? Is that what you had? I kind of, it was a heart shape. So it was, it, they weren't connected at the base of it, but, um, but it, it, yeah, it's supposedly it could have uh, possibly like started to develop. And then, you know, as I was a baby in the womb, it didn't land that way, but no. So I ended up right. being shape, but yeah, very, very similar. Yeah. Oh my God. So complicated. And and you, do you know, since you were like, you're, you've known this, right? About your uterus. Um, your actually, I didn't know. Whole adult life? Nope, I didn't. So it's strange because I think, uh, well, I told you when I was, I was five years old, um, I had surgery on my bladder and um, my uh, kidney. So I have a damaged kidney and I had surgery there, but no, it wasn't even recognized until the two cervixes wasn't recognized until a third time I had uterus surgery. So I had three uterus surgeries. The first two times I used one doctor and it was unsuccessful both those times. So the third time I was like, I'm going to a different doctor um, and he's going to try to do it where we can get rid of the scar t- tissue that was created from the other two. <laughs> and he was able to do it, but he was like, you were under, you have two cervixes. I would have like, you know, fixed that, but I couldn't get your permission because you were under. Um, so he was like, the cervix does amazing things. We'll have, we'll see what happens at delivery. And at delivery, the second cervix didn't dilate. So I pushed Miri through one side, um, which is probably why I had placenta abruption, uh, blood transfusion and hemorrhaging. And okay. I know you're explaining this really well, but I still can't picture how you do that. How she'd even have, (laughs) how she'd even have two. So it it ended up two options. Yeah. So it ended up like a band through the middle and the band in the middle didn't dilate where, you know, it'll expand and contract. It just kind of stayed like a band, like imagine a rubber band that's like super taut and tight is the best way to like, imagine like a straw with a band dividing the straw into two parts. Oh, so the band in the middle, which is the other side of the cervix didn't do any dilating. So it just stayed like, um, got it. So they had to push it to the side while I pushed Miri out at the same time. It broke her clavicle and then it healed by the next morning. It's crazy. Oh my God. The the human body is so crazy. Yeah, it just fused itself And did they do together. anything for the clavicle? They didn't have they to. Just, they just... By the next morning, it was fused itself back together and 
Okay, yeah. that is bananas. Yeah, so we'll see like later on in life if she, she there's nothing though. She's, it doesn't look any different than the other. Um, you know, like both shoulders look the same. You can't see anything different from one side of her shoulders to the other. Clavicle looks fine. Um, and, you know, we had it checked as well, like right afterwards and then three months after just to confirm. And she's great. She's fine. Okay. Okay. Just a side note. Sometimes like I have a hard time like naming these, these episodes because I want people to be able to find what they're looking for quickly. (laughs) But like on stories like yours, it would be like 18 things. It'd be like IVF plus C-section issues plus, plus a a kind of a uterine didelphus that wasn't really because it didn't quite make it there into like, I think I usually don't bring up two cervix to people because they're just like, I can't even, no, I can't even process that. Don't even like, there's other stories to be told about the whole thing that happened to me. <laughs> like, why are you bring that in the mix? I can't even, I'm still not covered on the other stuff. No, it's, it's bananas. Okay. Yeah. So, wow. Okay. So back to your C-section. So that's right. You told me the story and you only had the one. Yeah. So you had numbness at the inc- in incision area. So that, that pain that I felt, yes. you did not feel that because your nerves were not yep. kicking in. Yep. I was probably off of, let's see. Um, I think after six days, I didn't take any more meds. Um, I, not that I didn't have to, I, w- I was in pain for sure. And I was inflamed for over half a year. Like, you know, everybody shows where their stomachs deflate. And I was like, no, I'm still four months pregnant, but I did have my, um, my stomach was lifted and it was, um, it was pinned up actually. Like, I don't know if this, this probably didn't happen to you. I talked to Sita about this well and some other women as well about, um, literally having a C-section, the baby being pulled out and not having the stomach lifted and mine was lifted and pulled up onto a bar. So she could have like better access to move things around. Like I had, um, I had like six bruises across my belly and I don't know if that separating of the skin is why it took me so long to recover from that inflammation, like why the inflammation did not go down. But, and like I said, I had like gut issues where um, uh, I just had to like do the whole probiotic, prebiotic, um, fermented foods, like just trying to figure out really it's like all of that stuff and time. Um, a lot of women call it the shelf. Do you, do you feel that as well? Where it's like you have your, so you have the incision that's on the skin. That one is like super clean and great for me, but the one that's underneath that's actually above that layer is what's like creates that little shelf. So I'm constantly massaging that scar tissue to get it from, you know, uh, trying to get the fascia to just move a little bit easier. It's it's constant work. (laughs) So my bean loves stepping on me on my pubic bone. Do your kids do that too? Yep. I feel like that has uh, done a lot. Yeah, that helps. (laughs) Honestly, because I mean, she's just all the time like banging into my body. And I feel like, um, like uh, the other day I was laying in class, like on the floor and she was with me Mm -hmm. and she took my hands and stood straight on my sternum, like right between my boobs and started bouncing. (laughs) That's awesome. And actually like even up there, like the scar tissue from your diaphragm, like your diaphragm can stick to your rib cage as well. So it's like trying to feel all that. When you're pregnant, like the baby being literally under the diaphragm, moving your organs up and around, and then you deliver a baby and your organs still have to find their old home. They're not like, how can they find their old home? Like the body does amazing things, but 
if you do some scar tissue massage, like around the rib cage, even to get the diaphragm to find its old home for all the organs to find its old home. Like that definitely is a process that is not discussed, but it's like, yeah, massage your abdomen. Like, um, the, I like, do you know that like, I love you or IOU method or sorry, ILU method where it's like, no, what is that? Okay. So you start like on the right side of the pelvis. Like if you can find, um, your pelvic bone on the pubic bone on the right side, um, kind of where like your psoas goes over and you massage from there up to past the belly button towards the rib cage. You go up five times there and you do like a gentle massage, like a patter with your fingertips up and down it five times. And then you do the letter L where you go up that, um, same path across above your belly button. You do L five to 10 times. And then you spell the letter U um, doing like the I L to the U back down to the other side of the pubic bone. Doing that massage helps um, with metabolism. And you can do this to your baby as well. If your baby has um, uh, like metabolic issues, but that helps kind of uh, the uh, large intestine digest, metabolize and help it to get back to its original shape i don't it probably doesn't go back to its original shape but back to a shape that makes it easier to metabolize and digest um not very different from the uh ascending and descending colon exactly that that's exactly uh, right massage yeah which i know very well because i have ibs yay and it helps so fun uh yeah especially when i'm on the toilet and things aren't really moving i'll 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 do that u-shape on myself and it will eventually eventually work um have you had to use that on Bean? So fun talking about that. No, no her, her digestion is like a champ. Yeah. She, she literally, I'm so lucky because she, like, I basically gave my continence to her, I think. Yay. <laughs> I mean, you're like, like yay for me, yay spiritually. For <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like yeah. spiritually, I gave her my continence, my, my urinary and everything else uh-huh. because she, she is like, she has like the digestion that I would want. Yeah. Of course, she's a baby. And if she's healthy, then she's a kid. So a healthy kid should have that. Yeah. It's us adults who have been damaging ourselves throughout our entire lifetimes. And this is, you know, this is part of the reason oh why my gosh. getting the kiddos right foods, like all that stuff. I'm just like, okay, don't stress about life. Just, just feed them good food. That's it. Feed them, feed them stuff. That's, you know, like, uh, not in a package. You know, <laughs> like, how, how to make yeah. Work. Yeah. We, we try We try so hard not to do the processed foods. Mm-hmm. Um, for sure. But okay. So drinking in life and it's like, you got to grab stuff. Okay. Sometimes, so, yes. sometimes. Yeah. But so your body, you have, yeah, so the shelf. So when she was like jumping on my chest, yeah. my my students who are adults, they were like, doesn't that hurt? Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, because I do this work all the time. But like if you were to mm-hmm. take any aerialist who hasn't gotten a lot of body work and start to massage around their boobs, it's really painful. Yeah, you have to break up the fascia first yeah. and then even get to, to the muscle yeah. back. Yeah. yeah, so so peeps out there, Massage your rib cage. That's that was the point that I wanted to make. But um, yeah, the outside. So you've the got that shelf. Cage, yeah, yeah, all that. So you're massaging that shelf that you've got there, mm-hmm. and then how about um, your practice and how do I work inversions and stuff? Yeah. So, yeah. How are you feeling there? Um, great. Um, definitely hang upside down uh, is amazing for like pelvic floor breath work, all of those things. So I do that quite a bit. 
Um, and then moving around the hammock, uh, I think we've talked about this before, you know, like I use basically as a lot of trigger point release, um, wrapping yourself in tension and picking like trigger point areas that someone might know as, um, uh, the like needles, um, acupuncture or acupressure. Uh, so I, I use that often in the hammock where the hammock gets to be that part so that the person in the hammock has control about where they want to do their trigger point release. But I do all of that in the hammock and I've done like downward dog where you rest it on the, uh, where like a front balance is what you would know it as, um, where you go front balance on the hammock. Have you found that helpful for you for your C-section as well? Getting into front balance, moving around, let the skin move around on that area. I feel like it just happened inadvertently because you know that I'm teaching like for choreography sake, not necessarily for wellness sake. And so all of the ouchie has completely gone. Like when my students are in pain, I don't understand anymore. Like I understand from a rational standpoint, but my body has gotten to the point where like, I don't feel pain at all. And I do believe it's because I was just doing it. Yeah, it's All getting the time. for sure like having like the fascia be mobile moving and not being stuck in certain sections. Um, having all of that movement on and along means, you know, it won't thicken for you. So you don't have to worry about that. But then a student coming in and out of practice, often they'll have to deal with that over and over again. Yeah, because the regularity is not there. Yeah. I, I have a feel like I haven't had anybody super recently say I have a C-section scar, what can we do to help that? I think you get more of those people. So do you get a lot of that? Yeah. Okay. It's it's constant like, um, and probably just because, well, that's not true. I was going to say probably because I had experience from from it for myself, but no, I had a lot of that before um, I ever had kids. Um, I think a lot of people don't know what the problem is. So they'll go, um, I have lower back pain. And you're like, oh, well, what's your history? And then you go, oh, well, you have scar tissue all the way around the front of your body from your C-section to your lower back. So it's actually, we have some adhesions that need to go in from the front, not from your lower back. Like where, you know, where is it? Where's the body tight and where do we need to move? Because that healing might be from a different area of your body than you expected it to be. Um, So I kind of like, would assess a client individually and just from hearing history more than just seeing them walk or their gait or their movement or the way they, you know, um, hold themselves. Um, both of them kind of give you like the tools, but yeah, versus wellness versus aerial practice. They're two different things, but like, I love how you can just do aerial moves and do aerial dance. And you don't have to know that all these things are healing your body. As long as you do it the right way, you have so many healing tools like that you might not even know that you had access to that are saving you and helping you. And I think that's why people feel like it's like a giant hug or feel like the high of it or feel adrenaline rush is because of those extra bindings that you don't know are doing this huge therapeutic Thing to your body that you just think it's just fun to play in, you know, and that's enough. You don't have to know any more than that. You just have to know it's fun to play in and that you come back to continue to do it so that you're getting movement and practice and, you know, share time with others as well. Cause it's different if you're doing it in a classroom versus, you know, over the internet or watching a zoom or practicing by yourself, you know, it's, it feels different for sure in the mind. Yeah. I've got a, I've got this woman I've had this 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 uh, particular student for about eight years, and she just has like this imbalance that is just 
constant. She has a job, like no matter what, it's like some level of bad with her IT bands. Oh yeah. Some level. Sometimes it's not so bad. Sometimes it's really yeah. bad. And so I'll like make her do these like, you know, hip key wraps, yeah. right? And what does a hip key wrap do? It just digs yeah. right underneath the, mm-hmm. the greater trochanter yeah. into the IT band. She's like, she's like, ah, oh, in class. And I'm like, just do it, do it, do it. Because I, I'm like, I think she realized by now that this is not just pain for, well, she might not realize that there's so many advantages to that pain. Yeah. Well, it could be a TFL issue too, like above like yeah. the pocket. She could massage that at home and even just like right at the kneecap or just, I'm sorry, just above the kneecap on the outside too. Like those are easier to get yeah. to because the band is so difficult to, I mean, getting it, you know, blood flow to a band is difficult. So it's like, you got to do the muscle above it or under it. Well, this particular person, like she knows all the things like, I, you know, I'm a, her body worker too. Yeah. So like she knows the things like coming into me she will she'll completely what's like she won't she won't come into me because she knows it's gonna be painful so she'll just put it off put it off off, right she'll also has a dog she doesn't want to get on her ground and like do the rolling as often so if she had like she's got the tools she's Mm -hmm. not doing them right so like I I'm I have her in these hip keys and I'm like well you got to get it done sometime So, uh, let's, let's do it now. So I think that people come into, this is such an interesting, and I would never have been like, Hey Kim, come on the podcast. So we talk, can talk about trigger points doing, doing, uh, doing Ariel, but, um, like that's what is coming up every single day in class. Like they're like, it hurts here. It hurts on my vagina. It hurts on the side of my pelvis. It hurts. And I'm like, okay, do it again. And they're like, you're the worst. I know. But like, (laughs) Here's, here's a cool trick that you can get them to do at home because I feel like this works for this client in particular. Test her out because she sounds like the, the one that if she has a dog at home and is having trouble doing it, make her commit 90 seconds to like a lacrosse ball sitting on that one spot, leaning into that one spot, like on the side of her body, like the, not the IT band, but the TFL above it. 90 seconds, sit there. So she's cutting off her blood, blood circulation there, might feel a little numb and then have her go walk around the house. So that's it. She only has to do 90 seconds of it. Time 90 seconds cut off the blood circulation. That's it. Walk around the house and then see like the next time she comes back, how she's feeling. Um, just okay. assess that. I'm curious. Um, and then get back to me and see how she's doing. I might have to, I might have to pull some bribery in. We'll see what happens. <laughs> um, we'll see what happens yeah. there. But I think that, uh, do you ever, do you ever go hardcore in people and bring in a Lyra for that? Uh, yeah. I mean, I'll use Lyra. I'll use, um, I do like a, have you ever heard of my happies that I have where it's like, um, it's a trapeze bar that sits on the hammock. So it's like the hammock is around it, but a bar sits on the base of it. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's like a happies bar. I'll use that more often since the hammock might already be up for doing things with the client. Um, but that's quick, but yeah, for the Lyra, like having the half circle and, um, Lyra was my first love for sure. I was obsessed with it and it took me a while to let go of it to get to the hammock. Um, and I love them both, but definitely, you know, getting on the hoop is, is, uh, is a little painful for people that don't normally do it. And especially if you're therapeutic, you're like thinking inwardly instead of like assessing your body and how it feels every move on the inside. So when you get somebody on the hoop, you're like, you can't feel anything. Don't even think about the feeling. <laughs> so that's, that's a little bit of a, a trickery for sure. A different mindset. But yeah, I love it. Uh, love it. My favorite therapeutic pose on Lyra is to go front balance, like front balance, fold, fold over, yeah. and then get into either a lotus or a figure four. Yeah. 
That is my favorite thing in the world. And I don't get on my Lyra more than once every week or something, but man, that is the best. Yeah. And so. it's interesting too, because you're like in the forward fold, you're doing the trigger point release on the forward fold. So you're cutting off the blood circulation at the psoas, and then you go into figure four, you've got the other leg extended. So then you're stretching out um, all of those adhesion points. So you don't even realize it, but all of a sudden your body's doing all of these amazing things where your mind feels better and your body feels better yeah. and you didn't know at once. And then, yeah. yeah. And then your head is, and you're upside down. Your head is upside down. So you're getting that too. Oh my God. I want to put my Lyra up tomorrow. That's what I'm going to do. Um, but, uh, okay. So when it comes to, do you have any DR still? I don't know. Well, that's not true. I mean, I might have it near the belly button, but nothing that I need to, um, nothing that I need to change any of my uh, daily exercise or what my rituals are. They can be what they need to be. And did you heal that or you didn't have a problem with it? In the first I never place? had a problem with it. Um, I think I had a slight one around the belly button, but I never did it. And a lot of people that do like, and it depends on like what kind of, what kind of aerial play you get to invest in. But if you are a person that's like maybe on the, on the apparatus, like five days a week, then like your TV muscles and your obliques are so strong that maybe that's the reason why there's no split. I, I don't know. You know, I'm not sure what, what makes the difference, but yeah, it wasn't anything that I had to, um, had to stress about. Okay. Because both, both your pregnancies, you were training, doing the very mindful training throughout, yep. correct? Yep. Yeah, where I was not because I oh, had, you had it. Uh, you did? the low-lying a little bit. I had the low-lying okay. placenta. Yeah. So they called it a previa, yeah. but since then people have said to me that a full like a previa is when it's actually covering part of the cervix and just low-lying is not. So I'd had a low-lying okay. and they put me on pelvic rest like halfway through. So I wasn't doing any of the things. Wow. So you might not have had to, if it was just low lying. Did you have any bleeding? Uh, I had the tiniest bit, nothing like Katie soul yeah, because no. I had her on nothing like I that. I don't know. I don't know anybody. I've never heard any stories of anybody else having like Katie had it for sure. That was, I mean, it's crazy that yeah. like our close, like around, I want this audience and this, my guests to be from all over the world. Yeah. But how do I have some pretty gnarly stories just in my own friend group? You know what I'm saying? I think a lot of people don't talk about it. I think there's probably this craziness everywhere and it's just not discussed. Okay, possibly, possibly. But um, because I feel like in my very, like my LA community, yeah. I, everything, so many things have happened. Yeah. But for me, it, I, I think that I had... A bit of DR, not enough for more than a one finger separation, okay. not even that. Okay. Because I, be, before, like my body, I don't have a separation between my abs barely at all, if you feel it, like okay. previous to pregnancy. That's just my makeup. Yep. That line in the center was not really there. When I was a teenager, I'm like, why can't I have a six pack? Oh, it's because I don't have a separation there. Yeah. Like my muscles aren't, don't do that. So I didn't think I was going to have much of a problem, but I did have it on my belly button. And then I've always had in the last five, seven years, whatever, SIBO, which is small intestinal bacteria overgrowth, which is, which is very, very common with IBS sufferers. Like, I don't know what the percentage is that end up with a small intestinal bacteria overgrowth, which 
which sucks because you can't really get rid of it easily. Let's outside the podcast, let's talk because I've got some thoughts. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I mean, mine's maintained right now. Yay. But after the pregnancy, mm-hmm. it came roaring back. And so bloating mm-hmm. plus mm-hmm. DR is no bueno because basically it doesn't help. No. And pelvic floor. Yeah. Yeah. All of yeah. it. All of it. So I was dealing with incontinence. Not bad. Just when I was coughing or sneezing. Um, (laughs) Just when you don't can't expect thing to happen. Yeah. (laughs) So just when you go chase after your kid, you're like, oh, no, it's still there. Right. But the thing is with my SIBO is basically air is not supposed to come up your body. It's supposed to go it, you know, like it's supposed to be in your lungs, but I'd have gas building up in my, in my, in my small intestine. Then it would trickle up my esophagus and then it would create a coughing spell, which it still does sometimes. And then with incontinence, you can see how that whole combination would not be a good idea. Like I was peeing a little in class all the time and I would talk to my students about it because I'm that person. And so one time I, I, I switched out a studio fabric for my own just because I was afraid to pee on a studio fabric. I mean, this is a real talk, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> anyways, so the bloating, when it was bad, it wouldn't help the DR. So then I, I, I've talked about this a lot, but basically like a year postpartum, I had to address it again with my inversions because I had been training my inversions since two and a half months out. With all that bloating happening, mm-hmm. everything went crazy. The pelvic floor wasn't responding. Yeah. My DR wasn't sewing together. And now I'm better. But she's almost three. Yeah. That's the thing is it's, it's constant maintenance. And it is still like you still, you will have to check in like later on too. It's not just like they grow and then you're done. Like it's, you know, it's a forever. Um, but I do think there's a lot to say for spinning on a single point. Um, gosh, it's just... Uh, like a hypertonic pelvic floor um, is pretty common for athletes. And, you know, we can you, um, can you sp- specify what that is just for the listeners? Hypertonic pelvic floor or yeah. um, where it's overworked. It doesn't take breaks. Um, you don't even know like, so like diaphragmatic breathing, when you take a deep breath in, you try to breathe all the way down to the pelvic floor. Um, and then when you exhale, you try to release the pelvic floor. So how do you relax? How do you go to total relaxation on the pelvic floor with your breath work? Is that possible? Like test that out. Just like a slow, deep breath. And when you exhale, um, letting the pelvic floor raise. When you inhale, letting the pelvic, letting the oxygen and the diaphragm press down into the pelvic floor and trying to do that back and forth motion, giving total release and relaxation to your pelvic floor muscles. Um, right, like right on that, um, the end of your inhale. Can, is that possible? Or do you feel like you're still tensing up? Um, it's an issue for a lot of athletes just because they do have that uh, tight pelvic floor and they're in constant movement, constant motion. And that may be part of the issue about like delivery too. Like, are you still hypertonic pelvic floor during delivery? Can you relax the muscles of your pelvic floor to birth? You know, can you give enough space um, you know, to relax the muscles enough that, you know, the baby can do their job as well and push themselves out. I feel like this is the potentially number one issue that our population didn't know we had. Mm. Mm-hmm. 
oh, potentially. That's a good thing actually to discuss is like go to a pelvic floor PT while you're pregnant. Don't think that you have to do it after delivery. If you do it while you're pregnant, this pelvic floor PT is going to show you these tools that are going to teach you how to handle afterwards, but also how to find total relaxation. If you decide to do um, the perennial massage as well, then they'll show you how to do that. Um, you know, there's, there's tools that they'll teach you before that you can use afterwards, but you can also access those ahead of time. So they're not a big surprise to you and going, did I have this before? Or what was it like before? I didn't even know that these mm-hmm. were issues before. You don't know what before was because you weren't paying attention to it because you didn't need to at the time. Well, and the other thing, if you could talk about it, be, is is this reoccurrent, this this occurrence of prolapse in the two tight women. Yeah. Right. Because that is also like one of these things where you assume mm-hmm. that that could never happen mm-hmm. because you're so in shape. Right. But when it cannot relax and cannot stretch, that is also when right. the prolapse tends to happen. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have the trampoline anymore. You have a spring that went out and it's yeah taking everything out of order. But if you can fix that one spring, then you'll find such relief and you just don't know which spring it was, you know, so you need to go to a pelvic floor therapist just to get an assessment at least like just one time, which I think it's crazy that for some reason we are not covered through insurance to go to see a pelvic floor therapist after you've had a baby. Like this, like it blows my mind. Like the first five years of being a mom, the tools that are not given to you from, you know, our country, the government, or, you know, just they're, they're available uh, and out there, but you have to have the means to have access to them. And America. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All you people who live in, we've just created like 20 podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> we've just done titles for 20 different podcasts like this hour. Kim, I'm going to like, I'm going to like text you in a couple weeks to be like, so what am I calling this again? Because I'm really confused. This may have to, this and I want my do over. We might have to like be scripted. <laughs> no, that's not good either. No, everybody's going to love uh-huh. it. No, I'll probably have you back for a check in every once in a while because the, the, the fact is, is that when you're talking about a toolbox, Kimberly Simonetti is the toolbox. Oh, not at all. Because but I will, I'm a Rolodex. I can give you the tools, but I'm not the toolbox. I'm just a well, Rolodex. I'm a I'm a toolbox too when it comes to like, like right now I'm creating a a video series on aerial rehab, but like getting, getting uh, like your hip key back, getting your straddle back, back, Mm -hmm. straddle back, back. But you're, you're the step before that. You are the step before that. That is not my, that is not my um, specialty specialty, but that is yours. So uh, it's, it's really useful because I know a lot of women here who actually, um, they either had you as a doula or they have you as a postpartum coach. And there are like 100% definitely women out there who uh, don't have access to somebody like you or me, yeah. to be honest, which is why the podcast is, is important because at least that information is going through the airways. But, um, but, but yeah, there's, there's uh, the, uh, at least the American system is like the A to Z on like, you have a baby, you have like a, maybe one or two appointments. Like there are so many micro progressions to get your body from, from having that baby to being an aerialist. It's crazy. 
Oh, body, mind, like, yeah, no, it's all crazy. And even just like, I, like, I think aerialists have an amazing understanding of their body. Like I can talk to somebody that has done air for a while and they know like where those parts of their body are when a general person that, you know, has a desk job or something different where they don't need to know those things might not know those things. So just aerialists are very body aware. And so the talking points are a little bit more um, progressive because they've already been through step one and step two. So you think about all the mommies in the world that aren't aerialist or aren't athletes like oh man I just like it's like how can we help everybody like because there's the tools that aren't there and you're just you're lost and alone and it's not talked about and it's not discussed and mental wellness with all of that is just um it's just insane like because you think that you're not supposed to be in the shape that you're in or you're not supposed to go through the process that way and it's like no that is your journey and this is the process and yes you are supposed to heal and get better mentally physically like um uh you know superficially and you know internally there's so many things going on um that are just kind of ignored and they can't be because they need to be addressed I mean, think about how many tools, like the ones we were talking about at the beginning, where like, so you can find your kid, like, like you can go to Amazon, right? And you can find about a million tools for every problem that you have, getting your kid to sleep, getting your kid on your body, like all this stuff. But then when it comes to our internal bodies, our mental health, our emotional health, everything like that, it is, it is not something you can access so easily unless you're trying to find it, I think, unless you're trying to like seek those things out. And that's frustrating. No, for sure. How to take care of the baby. Got it. How to take care of the mommy. What? Like, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, anyways, this podcast is amazing because I believe that you are doing that. You're doing the good work, like getting the info. I'm, I feel like it's our podcast as a, as a community because it's just like, there's just like, there's so many different things I've never even freaking heard of, you know? And I'm just like, what are the chances that someone else hasn't heard of those things? Because it's like, yeah, I'm already in it, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm in and I'm still learning every single day. It's incredible. But, but, but Kim, you're like, you're like a wealth and uh, well, I will definitely have you back again. I know that even my students, at the loft who have been like exposed to you in some way, they're like, Oh, I listened to that. Also Jill, Jill Franklin and, and Rachel Bowman, all, all these leaders in our LA community. Um, people want to hear from you guys. Yeah. So really thank you yeah aerialists are pretty cool for sure i feel like we're yeah. so we so cool yo it's, yeah it's a good community all right thanks so much kim for carving out the time i know you were on bay kk with your fam when you uh jumped on the phone with me so i appreciate you and my listeners out there go to the show notes to get aerial rehab straight to your inbox or access to the student portal on my website for the free mini course i appreciate you guys so much please honor me with a five-star rating and a review where you get your podcasts. It really helps this grow. And if you'd like to be on the podcast, if you have a a great story to tell, um, I am looking for diversity in story, in geographic diversity, in ethnic diversity, all diversity. I want every part of the world on this podcast. And sometimes it's hard for me to get out of my own community. So please uh, hit me up. 
on a DM or carry at wrapyourheadaroundsilks.com if you want to email me. All right, guys. Have an amazing week. Uh, I appreciate you. I will see you next time. This is the Expecting Aerialist Podcast. Oh, 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 oh,